morning, Skillman Church of Christ. It is such a joy to worship with you all virtually. If uh, you are a guest watching for the first time, welcome. We'd love to invite you to visit our website to learn more about who we are as a community of faith. But we're followers of Jesus who strive to live by faith, advocate hope, and we want to be known by our love. And a, a special thank you to Rio Vejar and the Valentine family and to our new friend Martha with the good hair. I can't wait to hear how everyone did on uh, the Bible trivia. But uh, to begin today, I'd like to tell an old story that's been passed down in the church for many years about St. Francis of Assisi and the wolf of Gubbio. As the story goes, a long time ago in the Italian town of Gubbio, there was a large and ferocious wolf that was terrorizing the inhabitants. The wolf, hungry for blood, first began slaughtering the animals of the town, but it didn't end there. Eventually, the wolf began attacking and killing the townspeople as well. And the people of Gubbio were terrified. They wouldn't even leave the city gates for fear they would encounter this ferocious wolf. It just so happened that when all of this was taking place, St. Francis of Assisi was visiting the town of Gubbio. And, and St. Francis saw the suffering of the people and he had compassion on them. And he took it upon himself to confront the wolf. So that night, as the townsfolk watched from the safety of the city wall, Francis ventured out beyond the gates and walked towards the surrounding forest. Almost immediately, the wolf came charging out of the forest with its teeth bared. But St. Francis held up a wooden cross with one hand and extended the other hand out as a gesture of peace. And when the wolf saw this, the beast stopped in its tracks and closed its mouth. And the wolf slowly walked towards St. Francis, then to the surprise of everyone, laid down at the priest's feet. And Francis could see the wolf was suffering from, from hunger. So Francis began to speak to the animal and communicated that it had no right to terrorize the citizens of the town. And that day they struck a deal where the townspeople would care for and feed the wolf some food every afternoon. And in exchange, the wolf would never hurt anyone again. They even sealed this deal with a handshake where, according to the story, St. Francis actually shook the wolf's paw. And it worked. The townspeople and the wolf, they lived in peace. And the citizens of Gubbio, they never forgot the day that St. Francis brought peace by taming a dangerous and predatory wolf. But if you have your Bibles today, the, the text for today's message is in Isaiah chapter 11. And the Valentine kids, they did a great job of reading this text earlier. And, and as you listened, you could probably hear this burst of prophetic imagination from Isaiah of what a new world would look like if God was in charge. Isaiah says that one day a descendant from the line of David will bring peace on earth. But this point in the story, the royal descendants of David had for the most part been a dud. In fact, when Isaiah writes about the family tree of David, he uses the analogy of a stump. The stump of Jesse that was once a strong and powerful tree is now a lifeless, lowly stump that bears no fruit. But in Isaiah chapter 11, the prophet had a vision from God of a new reality, a new hope, and a new future. And you can listen with me in verse 1 of chapter 11. It says, One day a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. So we read here that the story is not over even in Isaiah's time, when things seemed so bleak, dark, and hopeless, Isaiah says, God is not done. Even out of a lifeless stump, a new shoot will emerge. 
and will fix all of these injustices and will bear fruit again. And this is such an important message because there are some of us out there who feel like we're, we're staring at a bunch of stumps in our life right now. Stumps that appear to be lifeless and absent of hope. It could be our family, our career, our lack of career, our idea of how life could have gone. It could be our spiritual lives. Some of these things we had hoped would, would be big, strong trees by now with deep roots and abundant fruit. But through life's circumstance, these trees have become stumps on the ground and we have to start over. And we may feel like we have failed or that there is no hope, that this is all pointless and that we can't see how we will recover. Isaiah, though, reminds us that with God, the story is never over. Whatever stump or disaster or failure you're living with right now, take heart and continue to trust in the Lord because God can bring life even out of a lifeless stump. Something new can emerge that may bear a different type of fruit that is just as tasty because God is in the bringing life to dead things business. And for the people of Judah, this meant hope in the Messiah, the anointed or chosen one from the lineage of David, who according to today's text will give the poor and needy of this earth a fair shake. And from his mouth, a word will strike the earth and slay the wicked. And I hate to give it away, but this shoot coming from the stump of Jesse, this descendant of David is Jesus Christ. And this is why the genealogies that link Jesus to David in the gospels are so important. Because the New Testament writers, they want everyone to know that Jesus is the shoot that will bring about this new fruit. They want to be clear that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one. And in verse 6, Isaiah imagines what the coming Messiah would do. It reminds me a little of the story of St. Francis and the wolf of Gubbio. But in verse 6, he says of this new day, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. What an amazing vision of what the world is like with the Messiah. When we read and interpret this passage, we need to remember, though, that Isaiah is a poet. And this verse, it doesn't mean that one day all animals will become vegetarians. It's not, it's not literally saying that. And if we literalize this poem, then we're at risk of missing the whole point of what Isaiah is trying to say. You see, Isaiah is using a literary tactic known as zoomorphism, where personalities and characteristics of humans are depicted through animal characters. I mean, have you ever played the game with your friends? If that person was an animal, what animal would they be? I mean, that's zoomorphism. Or Disney movies, they do this all the time, where they take stories about humans and they use animals to play the parts. And usually the antagonists are predatory animals like wolves and tigers, panthers or snakes. And the protagonists are those cute animals like rabbits or sheep or smart ones like foxes. And in zoomorphic works, characters within the story, they take on personality traits of the animals. I mean, one of the funniest examples of this recently is uh, in that Disney movie Zootopia. Uh, where the, the main characters, they have to go to the DPS office for some information. And uh, they go to the DPS office and the people working behind the desk, the animal is, is a sloth. And it's so funny. Check out this, this quick scene. You need something done? He's on it. I hope so. We are really fighting the clock and every minute counts. Wait. They're all sloths? Thank you. 
pretty funny. This is what, but this is what Isaiah is doing. Isaiah is it's not talking about real wolves and real leopards and lions, but Isaiah is using poetic language to describe people who act like wolves, people who act like leopards, and people who act like lions. I remember when I first began working in the mango business in northern Peru, I had someone pull me aside and say, hey, John Mark, be careful, because in this business, there are lots of snakes and wolves and tigers. And meaning, really, this person was trying to help me, saying that there are people who will take advantage of me and would eat me alive if I'm not careful. And I, I think I may have met some of them, but I, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah He's worried about these types of human predators. Isaiah is speaking against the human wolves, the human leopards, and the human snakes of this world. Isaiah is saying that it is not good for a human to be a predator and act like a beast. I like how the author and speaker Brian Zahn puts it. He says, it's okay for beasts to behave beastly. It's okay for a leopard to eat a baby goat. It's part of the way it works. It's a cycle of life. But it's not okay for humans who bear the image of God to behave beastly. As humans, we are held to a different standard. We bear the imagio Dei, the image of God. And it's understandable for an animal to act like an animal, for a beast to act like a beast. But what Isaiah is saying is that in this new reality with the Messiah, it's not okay for human beings to act like beasts and prey upon each other. And Isaiah says, when the, when the Messiah comes, is when all of this will change, and it's when the wolf will lay with the lamb. But as Christians, here's the interesting thing. We believe the Messiah's name is Jesus, and that the day when the Messiah comes, when the day when the wolf will lay down with the lamb has come, but could this really happen? I mean, really, if you think about it, can a wolf really lie with a lamb? Or maybe this is talking about the next world because surely this couldn't happen. Can such a radical change even happen in the lives of people? Well, let me tell you a story about another wolf. This wolf lived in Jericho during the time of Jesus, and this wolf was a tax collector. Tax collectors were traitors, and they would prey upon the local citizens by any means necessary to collect their quota. And oftentimes, they would take way more than they were required to take. They were humans acting beastly. But this wolf's name was Zacchaeus, and he heard about a man named Jesus. And because he was so short, he had to climb to the top of a sycamore tree just to catch a glimpse only to have Jesus call him out and invite himself over for dinner. But after the meal, this wolf said to Jesus, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. An encounter with Jesus transformed his life. The wolf was living in peace with the land. There's another story about a lion, smart and ferocious, who went by the name of Saul, and Tar of, Saul of Tarsus who was preying upon Christians after the death and resurrection of Jesus. This man was present when Stephen was stoned to death. He approved of it. But shortly after, on a road to Damascus, Saul had an encounter with Jesus that changed his whole life and was able to transform the hate, anger, and rage into caring for and pastoring the flock. This, this lion is now responsible for much of the New Testament, including the 13th chapter of Corinthians, which speaks about radical love. You see, Jesus is the root of Jesse, 
And an encounter with Jesus can be so powerful, so impactful, so transformational that the wolves of this world can be radically changed and live with the lambs. This is what the kingdom of God on earth looks like. We see it in Zacchaeus. We see it in Saul of Tarsus. And we see it in other stories in the New Testament. And we also see it in the wolf of Gubbio. You see, one day when all this COVID stuff is over and we can again travel across the world, if you have the chance to go to Assisi and you walk and you talk to a Franciscan scholar, you'll learn that the story of St. Francis and the Wolf of Gubbio is not a legend, but it actually happened. There is one key difference, though. In real life, it wasn't a wolf wolf that was wreaking havoc on the town. It was a human wolf. It was a local nobleman who was losing his workers to the grueling mercantile class and so was so angry about it, he was attacking them. But Francis came and, and mediated and brought peace so that the wolf of Gubbio lay down with the lamb. And we hear these stories and we're reminded that Isaiah 11 is true. An encounter with Jesus generates transformation when human wolves and human lions can be tamed through the power of Jesus. There may be people in your life who are still acting like a beast instead of a human being, but know that an encounter with Jesus can change all of this. And for some of us, there may be a beast within our own life, an urge or an impulse we can't seem to control. We can have hope, though, that when we take heart, that when we encounter Jesus, we can be radically transformed. Jesus Christ is the root of Jesse and tames the beast that's within our hearts. Salvation is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're now going to move into our time of communion where we reflect and mediate on the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and the impact this has had on the beast within our own lives. But as we, as we prepare our hearts and minds for the bread and the body of Christ, seeing that we told the story of St. Francis and the Wolf of Gubbio, it seems only fitting that we pray together the prayer of St. Francis. Following this prayer will be a time of meditation and then another prayer for the cup. But let's pray together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, and it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.